Welcome to News in Context. I'm Gina Valeria. In this episode, we talk with Dr. Chandra Clark, assistant professor at the University of Alabama, with an expertise in electronic news and analysis of the news ecosystem. Chandra and I got together to talk about new normals in news, how audiences respond to coverage, how news outlets respond to audiences, and how we all respond to the quickened information flow that comes with social media and instant access. Though this interview was recorded a few weeks before the COVID-19 pandemic took hold of the globe, many of the issues and topics Chandra and I explored resonate with what's happening today. In particular, navigating an onslaught of information, trying to figure out what's true and whom to trust, and how the way information flows reveals truths about who we are as people. I really appreciate you doing this with me today. I want to talk about this sort of evolving response to news and information and how it seems that people are either less shocked, less checked in, does feel like stories that used to be considered big. For example, last night on CNN.com, I was scrolling and I scrolled for quite a while and there were stories about celebrities and this and that. And eventually I came to a story and there was a shooting. Two people died and it was way, way, way down the scroll. And it had just happened. So that that shocked me. So I'm curious. I want to get your take on um, whether or not you're noticing this trend and, and what you've seen out there. I think we actually have a time period for normalization. In covering disasters and covering breaking news, I always watch online and social to kind of see what happens and what triggers people's comments. And I try to follow it for a couple of hours and a couple of days when it's big stories because I'm very interested in that myself as far as the trends on social and how people are reacting. And one of the things that I really notice is that there is this spike maybe for the first 30 minutes to an hour after something. And then it does seem like depending on the circumstances, life goes back to normal for everyone. It depends on how relational those things are as far as distance. And of course, every situation is a little different. But one of the things I noticed on a Sunday a couple of weeks ago was the church shooting in Texas. And that was on a Sunday afternoon. And when I started getting the notifications and alerts for that, it was very, very heightened all day long. And it was almost like by Monday, there was no conversation about it. It was like it was there and it was gone. And that was a shooting that happened in a church during an active church service. And so that's one thing that I really noticed recently is how quickly we forgot about that. Uh, He was honored last week uh, as a hero by the governor in Texas, and I didn't see that much coverage of that. And then you've got other events like disasters for when it happens. I have been studying this and looking at it for research. There's almost like a cycle of how people react to stories. I could actually give you a date after a tornado hits of when it will stop being covered. And that's just very interesting to me because it comes down to days, depending almost on how many people are hurt or how many are killed in an area, especially here where I live, which is now Dixie Alley for tornado coverage. We had three people killed here just a couple of weekends ago. And my students on Monday morning after three people were killed on Saturday They didn't even realize that. They knew that they had been in storm shelters, but they didn't even realize the fact that the neighboring county to us had had three people killed. They went right back to life was normal right after 
they had just been under a tornado warning in a shelter with dozens of other college students. And that just blows my mind that we are so self-tuned in to what's going on in our lives that we don't really understand what's going on outside of it. That is also what I'm noticing. And you brought up a few, several relevant issues, this element of empathy or the, the level of empathy that we're feeling for those that we're not immediately connected with. When you were a college student or in high school and there was a tornado that killed several people, what was the reaction that you recall then? Was the reaction different? And if so, how was it different than what you're seeing today? I definitely think it was different at the time because we did not have social media at the time that I was in college. And I did cover several tornadoes myself as an intern and also as um, just a young employee. But I do remember people talking about it for a while, very curious about what happened to that property, what happened to those people, and thinking about, you know, the severity of that situation. Now we see the images very quickly on social media. We see the aerial footage. We see and hear from the victims who survived and the neighbors. And it's kind of like once we know that it didn't impact us or that you know, there's no other news coming out about it. Well, yep, they lost their home. They lost uh, a family member or two. They'll have to rebuild, and it'll take them a while with their insurance. I can move on. That there's just not as much concern about it. And I don't know as far as with the whole normalization theory, if that is just that we all have so much going on in our own lives that we do just compress that part of those stories to where we think that there's nothing that I can do to help them. They have the resources they need. I need to move on. That is also what I think. I, I think a big part of it is, okay, one, it's not affecting me, but two, there is nothing I can do about it. And I feel bad. And if it happened to me, I hope I get help. But the help is there or I think it's there. Like the, the structures are supposed to be in place for that. And I also think that people are exhausted in some ways it sometimes feels as if there's just more bad news and here in California we're seeing these massive fires which are somewhat new we've always had a fire season we've always had fires but the the level and frequency and intensity of these fires has just grown exponentially and so certainly the state's like whoa this is this is kind of crazy but if you're not affected by it it's like okay the air is bad when's the air going to get clear all right you know what, let's move on. And the follow-up stories that show that maybe the mechanisms in place to help people rebuild aren't necessarily going as smoothly as they can. I think also people feel like, well, I can't control that. I wish that weren't the case, but I can't control it. I also see here, uh, like, I care about it, but I can't, I can't right now. I can't deal with it. I hope they're okay. I actually, I had a student uh, with me from California and the wildfires were near his home. And he and I sit in my office and watch live coverage together because he was so concerned about what was happening with the wildfires near his home. He was so tied into that he could not sit still that he really needed another adult to kind of sit with him to watch it because he was so nervous for his family back home, even though he had a connection to them via text message and over um, the phone where he could talk to them. He couldn't physically see what was going on. And so that news coverage and what they were showing via aerials and ground live shots um, meant a lot to him. 
And I thought about that a lot as far as how media cover stories and how they are trying to inform the public about everything that is a big story and then their cycle of how they cover those stories and the attention they give to it. I don't know that we give them the actual credit that they deserve and what they cover and the resources that they dedicate to it. Those resources that the news provides to us and news providers is so valuable um, that I think we also take that for granted a little bit, uh, that there's always going to be someone covering that story for us where I can get that information. And then when that void is there and you can't find it, we get very frustrated. I also think that's very funny because we go to search on Google, and if someone can't find information about their particular area or the story they're interested in, they get very frustrated, but yet we don't want to pay for new services. We don't want to give them the credit of, you know, they do such a good thing for their communities and the services they provide, and then they post something that we don't like, and we call it fake news. And so do think we take that for granted as well as far as the resources that news provides to people and the service they provide to the different communities? Totally agree with you, and I'm so glad you brought that point up. I, I'm sure you've had the experience where, hey, where'd you see that story? On Facebook, on Google, I saw it on Twitter, and it's like, no, 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 who's the source? I got it off Facebook. Well, that's not the source. And that idea of uh, not understanding that there are resources that go into coverage and, and that there are resources dedicated to truly trying to inform the public. Of course, the news industry is not without its challenges, but there are many people who are very earnest and dedicated to wanting to inform the public. And I go back to my own experience, and I'm sure you've got experiences like this during 9-11. Now, I was on the West Coast, um, but one of the planes was headed here. And of course, we wanted to cover the story well. And that was like my best day in the news because I felt like I was actually doing some good. Like I was actually helping people make sense of this and understand it and inform them and keep them apprised. Even though all day, I, I don't know about you, but I was, you know, sobbing in my, you know, at my desk. I was still, you know, doing my job. There are so many people dedicated to that. And yet you're right. I see also the trend of I want the information. Why isn't the information there? Well, there's a process for making sure that information is there, and, and we need to respect that process. Absolutely, and I think we take for granted that that process should happen on our timeline, not how it really works. Uh, reporters have to vet the information and have to find those sources. You know, we're so used to wanting details just so quick at our fingertips that we jump to conclusions, we make assumptions, we see people's comments, and we try to make that be the news rather than waiting for the actual official information to come out. Uh, this morning, there was the explosion in Houston, and uh, I woke up to that breaking news. I could tell from the tone of the voice when I was waking up that something really big happened. And uh, I followed that story all morning long um, because I have family in Houston, and I saw the network covering it. Uh, from different angles. I you know, saw it on Facebook, all the breaking notifications. I have alums who work in Houston who were covering the story. You know, it's just interesting to see how those kind of things trickle out now uh, from distribution, uh, from the notifications that we get through text messages from news organizations to how we watch the live feeds on Facebook or Twitter. Um, and then also, do we really listen to what they're saying? Or are we just looking at the visuals and making our own assumptions about what happened and who it happened to. 
um, because when I was watching it this morning and watching the news conference live, they had only sent one person to the hospital, and that was someone that was a resident near the warehouse. And um, then I see other comments, you know, that people are posting live uh, during the news conference and when there's shootings or when there's, you know, a mass shooting or anything else. I'm like, where do you people get this information? And why are you posting something that you know absolutely nothing about? Why can you not wait? And I think that we just feel we have to comment or we can't wait on that official information anymore. And I do think that's concerning. And I do think that is one reason why people have certain opinions about our news organizations because they don't understand that process that you and I are talking about uh, that we've been trained to do. Journalists are trained to follow a process to verify information so that people believe them and that it's credible information. And I do think that sometimes our public is not patient enough to wait on that. With that lack of trust that has been fomented for various reasons, when the news, for example, in the Houston explosion says, well, only one person's been taken to the hospital. Now, that news organization has likely talked to the officials at the scene, has gone to the hospital, has checked, maybe talked to a family member. And yet there's someone out there who distrusts journalists and distrusts the information they're receiving. Well, I heard from my cousin that actually there were 10 people, you know, and that feels better because that's a person, an individual that you trust rather than this machine. We've sort of led ourselves societally to this point where it's very difficult to trust news and information and not without reason, like journalists really are earnest and that we're doing the best we can. There are, you know, a lot of reasons why things aren't always perfect. Some of them have to do with resources. Some of them have to do with, with other systemic issues. But that disconnect between whether or not there's trust in what the journalists are saying is definitely there. That is a problem, and we have to figure out how to address it. For me, it's all about media literacy. It's all about helping people learn, you know, this is where your stories come from. This is what the journalistic process is. This is how you can hold your journalist accountable in your community if you feel that you need to. Uh, this is how you can communicate. But that takes work. I love the phrase, with freedom comes responsibility. Sometimes I feel that we forget our own responsibility or we have so many other responsibilities that it's really difficult to take on one more. But then the trust isn't there. And doing media training with law enforcement and the State Fire College here and with the state EMAs, one of the things I really stress to them is that they really need to have a relationship with the media long before anything happens. Uh, recently, last year in March, we had 23 people killed in Lee County, Alabama, here by a tornado. And I interviewed the sheriff just a day or two afterwards and uh, we talked about this news literacy issue and his relationship with the media because he appeared on local news and then he was on the network news so quickly and how he handled it he was very composed very informative very relaxed even he had to be so informative and so confident in the information that he shared that it calmed people down and made sure that they knew that they could trust him because he was that main source of information during that time. And so I do think that they realize that the media has to have information, like you talked about, um, you know, with freedom comes responsibility. I do think they understand that the media has a role to do, but they also 
the media has to understand they have a role in a process too. Everyone does. We have to understand and think about the role that the person is in that is giving out information. And then we also have to trust that that information is going to be vetted by journalists who have been trained on how to handle it and how to convey it to the audience. Brought up two really important parameters there, relationships and trust. And when we can build relationships and engender trust, then when that moment comes, this all goes more smoothly. And I think every agency out there, whether it's a news outlet, whether it's a police station, there are people who are earnestly trying to do their jobs. And then there are examples we can point to where, oh, you weren't perfect here, or you actually made a misstep here, or this was flat out problematic. Those examples are important, but sometimes they serve as a blanket for us to sort of stop building that trust. And those relationships can help us remember, oh, we we do have a trust here. Of course, then there's also the danger of with relationships, maybe not holding someone accountable because you have a nice relationship with them. So I also think at least in the journalistic process, as you and I are both trained to do, is to think about, you know, of course it's reasonable sometimes for a police chief to not release information because the investigation is ongoing and it'll jeopardize that or there are privacy issues with a victim. And then, of course, the journalist also has to recognize like when is that reasonable and of course appropriate and when might we want to push a little bit more and it's not every single time that we have to push a little more but there there certainly are times but developing that journalistic sensibility and then of course taking your audience with you continuing that relationship building and trust building with your sources your audience etc right i do think even if you have a relationship with different law enforcement or different agencies but I do believe that they've got to know your parameters and that pushback is always something that I think you have to have that understanding beforehand that there are going to be times that you're going to have to push that envelope a little bit more because of the responsibility that you have when we're training students to be daily reporters where they're tackling any assignment that may come up it is very difficult because every situation is so different and so I try to prepare them in a way just put themselves in that person's shoes if you don't know much about that person's job and you make all these assumptions about how their job works you need to learn a little bit about everything to be a better news consumer and to be a better storyteller you need to have a good a lineup of resources that you can rely on to help fill you in on things very quickly. You're listening to News in Context. I'm Gina Valeria. Today, we're talking with Dr. Chandra Clark of the University of Alabama about the relationship between newsrooms, audiences, and information. As far as experts in our newsrooms, we have a lot of people who are aging out, who have experience covering big stories and know how this is supposed to work. And that really concerns me that we don't have a lot of good mentors in the newsroom uh, to mentor our younger journalists. They have experience in knowing how things should be covered and uh, how things should run through a process. And I value those people in our newsrooms because I do think that they can help students figure out and young professionals figure out how they should go through that tough, tough process of learning how to do it right. And our younger students who are entering the workforce Some of them don't necessarily know all the different temptations that come at them from PR sources to try to get in the news. And so I do think having those veterans in the newsroom 
uh, who can help them evaluate that this is more oriented from PR and has different motives to help them balance that out. While, yes, this is a good story, but you've got to look at how you write it and how you approach that story and put it in a journalistic and objective uh, presentation to your audience is what's so important. But I am starting to see, and I love that I'm seeing this, a resurgence into some in-depth reporting and investigative journalism and consumer stories. Because I think they have seen that the headline reporting is not really connecting with the audience because they know they can get that somewhere else. The PR firms and the people who are trying to get out their message for politics or businesses or different consumer products, I think they're getting smarter too. So they're also trying to figure out how they can still get free publicity. So they're also working smarter and working even harder on the digital side to get our attention. I'm wondering, you know, is any of this positive? And you've mentioned sort of a recommitment to investigative and long format journalism and explanatory journalism. Are any of these sort of new normals or evolutions we're seeing, can they be positive for news? Yes, I do think they are positive for news. Some of the work that I've done uh, around the country covering disaster has given me the opportunity to visit dozens of newsrooms, uh, radio and television. And one of the things that I'm really seeing is the efforts that news media organizations on the local level and even on the national level, that they are putting forth a major effort to make sure that people understand their role. They've got to understand that news organizations are putting forth every effort to try to use those resources they have to give them the information they need. Um, The FCC requires them to try to serve their community and the public's needs. And I do believe that the public is recognizing that in some form. I still think the public takes it for granted. But I do believe that the stations are trying to connect with their audiences on a different level. I was um, had a recent uh, network executive in my office, and he was showing me some in-depth news documentaries that um, his organization is doing around the country. And they were phenomenal pieces um, that really went in-depth on a topic that affected that city and that community. And they were done so well. And so they've dedicated, you know, 30 minutes uh, to an hour, you know, every two to three weeks to doing one of these and uh, really approaching these hard-hitting topics. And that takes a lot of time and resources. People really want to know the news that is happening around them and that impacts them. And I don't think that they look to the networks and cable news for that. I do think that they're looking to their local news organizations in their city. If stations and news organizations aren't out and about in their community also being part of that education, I think they're missing out on something. But I do think that the majority of news organizations do recognize that. Uh, They do recognize that we're at a critical point in our society right now where they have to be engaged and know who they're serving and who is listening to the news that they're putting out. And I do think that they're making every effort. I do think they're trying to figure out that piece of the digital aspect that they can or can't control because things go viral so quickly, uh, sometimes for the wrong reasons and sometimes for the right ones. Uh, It's just that we hear that term, fake news, and uh, it, it sends a rickle up my spine because I know 
that we have some very good journalists out there every day who are trying to do their jobs to share the stories of their communities and they understand that people right now doubt some of the things that they say and do and they continue to do their job every day because they do believe there's an important element in our society that needs to happen which is sharing information if you share information every day that's very credible when the time comes when they really need very critical information to save their lives that they will tune back into that same person in that same news organization. I am exactly where you're at in the belief that journalists around the country are doing such yeoman's work to try to to inform the public. And that brings me to the question, what is the audience's role here? What is the general public's role, the 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 citizen on the street? You know, what what's our role as citizens? Citizens have to vet every piece of information that they read and look for multiple sources. I see people preach about it all the time on social media when something's posted. So where did you hear that at? Where did you hear that at? We have to train people to look for multiple sources and to compare and read those stories and listen to different sources to make sure that they can read between the lines and find out what the actual facts are. Journalists are not supposed to tell people how to think, but we're supposed to help them figure out how to think by looking at different sources and come to their own conclusions. That has never changed in my time here on earth. And so the best way that we can do that is to encourage them to look at multiple sources. We're not the only ones giving the story. Please check out you know, other um, media partners that we have and see what they're saying as well to understand what the actual truth is. And what do you think the implications are for us as a society, as a democracy, if we can figure this out and if we can't figure this out? I think it's going to be a very sad day when we do not have multiple local news organizations to serve us and people do not have multiple sources to go to for information. I just heard of another one this week uh, in our area in central Alabama that's going to three days a week. And I know that's happening all across the country. So I do think, you know, we have to be cognizant when we see these newspapers going to either uh, less of a circulation and less production, that that is one more source that we're losing. How hopeful are you with the crop of students that you're teaching and what you're seeing happening in the industry right now? Well, there's this term called content creators that keeps coming up. And um, I keep reminding my students as they, many of them talk about, they want to be content creators. They don't know if they want to be journalists or be in news, but yet they're in news classes, is that they have a responsibility to inform people, uh, no matter what kind of content creators they're going to be. And journalists, one of those professions right now that may be under a lot of scrutiny, but the good ones are doing great jobs and they're making a difference. And some of these alums that I have that I stay in touch with that are doing some of these investigative and in-depth reporting pieces, I am so proud of them and where they have gone and what they have learned and, and done. And Uh, I think this crop of uh, students are finding out that they do have a purpose and they can serve the next generation of consumers who want good journalism uh, and good fact-finding. But I think we as educators have to make them understand that responsibility and that we need them and we need them to do this the right way. And that way is constantly evolving. But if they can put those foundational skills Uh, to practice, they can evolve with the different types of media and still have a great reputation, have a great career, and make a good living. Wonderful. Is there anything you want to add that I did not ask you? 
there is a lot of scrutiny on journalists right now, and I do believe that we can change that. I do believe that there is a major effort by a lot of organizations to change that. The public needs to know and understand uh, the resources that are dedicated to them. Every day is important in the news industry. There's not one day that a reporter can let down their guard in doing their job. If they will execute the foundational skills of just telling the story and making sure they're objective without any opinion, that credibility will come with time as they continue to do their jobs. And it's not going to be quick, and it's going to take them a while, but I think that's going to be the solution is really telling them to keep at it every day, and that work ethic will pay off in the end, and it will eventually help add to the credibility of our profession as a whole. Chandra Clark, thank you so, so very much for taking this time to talk with me about these issues. I so appreciate it. You're welcome. I enjoy it. You have been listening to News in Context. Music in this episode includes Spring Fling by Track Tribe and The Heist by Silent Partner. In addition to hearing News in Context every Friday at 8.30 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. on KSFP 102.5 in San Francisco, you can hear it on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, YouTube, and PRX. We're also on Twitter at News in Context SF, and you can find links to all of that at newsincontext.net. I'm Gina Valeria. Thank you for listening.